This is Mental Health and You with WCPA. We're your hosts, Taylor Kennedy, Caitlin Schaefer, and Jacqueline Simplecamp. Our podcast covers mental health topics for you. From us, licensed mental health professionals. Let's get to this week's episode. Hey, everyone. We hope you had a great weekend. Welcome back to Mental Health and You. This week, we are discussing something we've mentioned several times in previous episodes, self-care. And although we've mentioned it many times, and we as mental health professionals know a lot about it, it's important that the general public does as well, because I don't think that they do. So with that being said, we finally decided it's time to devote a full episode to the topic of self-care. Self-care in very simple terms is really just any action which contributes to preserving or improving one's health. Self-care is taking an active role in protecting your well-being and your happiness. And I think self-care is such a large topic. So today we're really going to focus on what is it actually, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again in future episodes. But I think when people initially consider self-care, they think of it as like treating yourself, right? So by treating yourself, I mean the stereotypical things you might think of, like getting your nails done or doing a spa day at home or, I don't know, eating something good, something like that. Extra cookie. Yes, exactly. But in practicing self-care, there is room for that stuff. But a lot of self-care is working on things that you may not want to do, but they're things that are good for you. Definitely. Self-care is something that's sometimes hard to do and to be able to take that time for ourselves. But it's something that we really wanted to focus on today because it's something that within three of us and also our listeners, we are sure want to try to start doing a little bit better. Oh, yeah, because self-care definitely isn't always easy. And therapists aren't perfect. We are humans. And we don't have all the answers because life is hard. And finding time for self-care can sometimes fall at the bottom of my to-do list, I'll be honest. During these times when it does, I really focus on my basics because I know still I have to have some form of self-care. So for me, during these times when I'm finding it lower on my to-do list or I'm really stressed out or stretched for time, I stick to those basics for me, which are hygiene, family time, spending time with my animals and my plants, skin routines, sleep, and alone time. Because for me, these are the foundation for peace of mind. And I know for me personally, there are certain things I don't always love doing or want to do, but I feel so much better after I do that thing. So for example, exercise is a big stress relief for me. And a lot of days, there's days I don't want to do it. But I know that if I just push myself and get that little workout in, I'm going to feel so much better. And it's kind of surprising, like for me, at least the days when I don't want to do it the most and I get myself to do it, that's when I really benefit from it the most, I feel like. Oh, yeah, I agree. I feel that way about taking off my makeup before I go to bed. A lot of times I'm so tired and I'm like, oh, I'll just sleep with it. But I know, okay, Taylor, you're going to wake up and be so frustrated that lazy Taylor the night before did that. And so when I take it off and I wake up, I'm like, oh my gosh, I really did take it off. Even in that tired moment, I feel so much better about the fact that I did. So I love that. Sometimes the hardest things we feel really good after doing. Right. That's a really good example. And another one I thought of too is like, After we've had a long week, we may not want to go then engage with family and friends and that sort of thing. But then we feel so much better when we just get ourselves up to go do that because we know that's what we need. Yeah, socializing can be hard sometimes. That's social energy. Mm -hmm. For sure. Exactly. Especially when you're already a little worn thin. So 
The other thing I was thinking of is like food, right? So when I'm trying to eat healthy and nourish my body well, but it's really just a stressful time, I go for the Oreos or the cheeseburgers, maybe a little too often, right? And so, but when I actually stick to my healthy foods and choices, then it does. I feel so much better about it. And I always notice when I don't because I'm like, oh, I ha- I cheated. I had that cheeseburger and I feel so <laughs> sluggish and yeah. like greasy now. So shouldn't have done that. Like it may make you feel better in that moment, but later on you're like, oh, I wish I picked something else. Yeah, yeah. And I beat myself up. And isn't that kind of like an important note about self-care though? Mm-hmm. It's like when we do this self-care thing, the whole point of it is that it makes us feel good you know, and not sluggish or guilty, but difficult things are sometimes, you know, the things that make us need to prioritize or focus on us the most. Um, That's kind of what we're going back to, I guess. Sometimes we forget that we are allowed to put ourselves first and that can lead us to burnout or breakdowns. We have to put that time aside for ourselves because we deserve it. So how can we really tell though, that we need to take a moment for ourselves? What do you guys think? For me, I notice it most in like my mood and state of mind. I know when I need to pour into myself because I'm like, okay, Taylor, you're getting a little short with people. You're not very motivated. You're really sluggish. But when I haven't provided enough self-care for myself, I just find myself leading my days in general with a very like anxious, individualized, negative mindset. And I notice also I'm just really, really not motivated to socialize. Yeah, that happens to me too. And for me, I actually get headaches. And so it's my body physically telling me like, you are doing too much. You are not taking care of yourself. And so for me, that's a good indicator that I need to do some more self-care. Oh yeah. When I don't do self-care, I'm like guaranteeing a migraine that day or that week. Also in general, neglecting self-care can impact an individual in a variety of ways. And when we don't engage in self-care, it can lead to things like an increase, I don't know, an anxiety, distractibility, anger, fatigue, right? And there can also be decreases in sleep, appetite, self-esteem, maybe relationship satisfaction, empathy, compassion, things like that. And it truly is important to incorporate self-care into our daily and weekly routines. I've explained to my clients how some of the symptoms I just named can be rooted in or reflect a lack of self-care. And often they're really surprised. What is it like for you guys when you bring up self-care in your sessions? Yeah, that's a really important thing to note, I think. My clients sometimes will laugh at me, I'll be honest. They're like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) Because they're already so overwhelmed, right? And that's usually kind of what brought them to me is they're trying to figure things out. So adding another thing to their plate, quote unquote, you know, of like doing something or taking time away from something else they feel like they need to be doing that. The initial response is always like, wait, what? You want me to do another thing? Yeah. I don't have time for that or um, nothing. I don't do that. Yes. But then once we kind of really dive into it and why it's so important, I think it makes a little more sense and seems more manageable. That was a good way of putting it, that initial like, what? Kind of like light bulb moment. But I think after a few conversations, like my clients, they get it because we talk about it so much. 
And I think just emphasizing that self-care is about being intentional and really gaining more just self-awareness about what you really need. So I like to talk about what works best for each person. Someone may need to do X, Y, and Z tasks, and that person needs to decide, will they feel better if they do the task first and then take a break? Or do they need to take a break now and then get those things done? So it's really about listening to your body, listening to your mind, and figuring out what you need in that moment. You know... Over the years, too, that gets me kind of thinking. Over the years, at least for me, I feel like self-care changes. So through different phases of my life, different ages and phases and stressors, I've needed to find a different balance of self-care that works best for that specific phase of my life. So I don't know, like just for example, I used to get a lot of joy out of being a social butterfly and filling up my calendar. I'm going to do this and then this, and I'm going to go out and see my friends. I'm going to meet this person for lunch. And then I'm going to my families and I'm going to travel. I'm going to do this extracurricular. And now I have grown up and my adult responsibilities and self-care is focused more on family and intimate relationships and sticking to my daily routines and productivity. What about y'all? Have you noticed this? I am very similar, like high school Jacqueline and college Jacqueline are so much different than how I am now. Oh, yeah. Those are like two high school Taylor and Taylor today are not. Oh, my goodness. No, they're not different people. Yes, exactly. So I think that's growth. That's kind of cool. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Being (laughs) open to growing in that way, I think is good because what works for you then is not going to work for you now necessarily. And I think, too, when we introduce it to our clients, right, and they have that huh kind of moment, it can be really important to identify areas that they may be doing self-care that they just aren't recognizing, right? So like those basic things, because through this identification and ways that they might already be doing it, you're able to identify ways they can improve as well. Because, for example, like hygiene, right? Like they're showering, they're doing their schoolwork, and even if they feel like, well, I have to do that, but you're still choosing to do it. Or, you know, going to that practice or your work every day, those kinds of things. And that empowerment piece, really strength-based, I feel like helps my clients to be like, oh, okay, I do kind of get what you're saying. I do take care of myself. I do feed myself, those kinds of things. I sleep. But I also, you know, provide that psychoeducation piece into the various factors that go into self-care that they can improve on. And it's important for them to, you know, find that balance for themselves. And so sometimes if I focus on giving them examples based upon, you know, that specific client, their age, environment, personality, and what they're already doing, it can really help empower them to grow when it comes to self-care versus just hearing me say it and being like, huh, what? That doesn't apply to me. Definitely. I think we try to really meet our clients where they're at, right? And help them understand how the things they're already doing might be working. And then what other things can they add on to that? Okay. So now we want to give you a little more practical way to think about how you look at self-care. So I like to use the concept of a self-care wheel. So think of it like a pie chart. And in this self-care wheel, there's a few different areas of self-care. So there is emotional, physical, social, spiritual, intellectual, and professional self-care. And each of these categories has their own ways of supporting our well-being. I really love that self-care wheel because it really helps break everything down. 
And actually, I think it helps us be more mindful of different areas that we can work on because someone might be like, oh, I've got the physical and emotional down, but are they thinking about the intellectual side of things? So it's like, it kind of just helps visualize everything, I think. So we want to give you guys some examples of each type just to give a better explanation. Emotional self-care is about being intentional and navigating and understanding your emotions as well as managing stress. And it can also be about being compassionate towards others and yourself. Ways to take care of your emotional self-care could be talking with a therapist, writing in a journal, saying positive affirmations, or even connecting with a pet. Then physical self-care involves movement, nutrition, and sleep. So you can probably guess that taking care of your physical side can include maybe trying a new workout, eating nutritious foods, and getting your sleep cycle into a regular pattern. So next is social self-care. And social self-care involves having that supportive group of people in your life, both personally and professionally, really, who you can trust and turn to, you know, when things might get a little tough. So some examples of that would be maybe going to a group workout class with a friend. That might be a little harder right now through COVID. I guess that's something we should address in this self-care piece, like for our current time we're in now. But I think there's been a lot of ways to kind of modify that self-care piece. So doing a Zoom or virtual workout class, meeting up with somebody for coffee or tea, going on a walk with a friend or a family member, anything you can do really to have that social time. It could even just be calling somebody on the phone you haven't talked to in a while. That's an easy one. Yeah, FaceTime. Yes, definitely. Another one is intellectual self-care. So intellectual self-care is really about finding that balance between stimulating your mind and giving your mind a break. So doing this can really help with creativity. It can help with innovation and really just contributes to your overall well-being. So some examples of that might be reading a book or listening to music, maybe learning a new skill or hobby. Um, something that makes you feel really empowered and good. Another important thing here, I think, is about like taking a break from things would be like a social media break. Sometimes it's important to take a little bit of a, a break from those social media outlets because they can be really overwhelming at times. And that's something that I have found a lot of my clients really benefit from when it comes to self-care. I don't know if people think of that in a self-care way. It's a really good point because when we're thinking about self-care, we think about it things we're doing, like adding to, but also with this intellectual piece, it can be reducing something. So reducing or taking away social media and the influence or maybe the significance of the influence it's having might make you intellectually grow as an individual in that area. Right. Because when we think about social media, right, like there's so many things that are thrown at you, so many ideas or concepts. And really, sometimes it just becomes too mentally overwhelming. So I want to take a second to talk about the last two pieces of the self-care wheel. Or because I love food, I often think about it like a pie. So first, let's talk about spiritual self-care. So when we think of this area of the wheel, it's completely up to you to make it in this piece of self-care what you need it to be because everyone for their spiritual self-care, it's going to look a little bit different. So it's a very subjective piece of the self-care wheel. Some examples to get you thinking would be, you know, taking time for self-reflection, meditating, spending time in nature, fostering self-forgiveness, maybe finding your spiritual or religious community or even maybe a new way to align within it. Next, the final piece of this pie, professional self-care. 
So professional self-care is really important because it allows you to really create a sense of balance in that work-life aspect, but also feel successful in your professional identity. So some examples might be taking time for lunch and making sure that you schedule your lunch break, setting boundaries in the workplace of what you will and won't tolerate, taking continuous, like continued education hours, right? Continuing to grow in that professional realm, getting supervision and mentorship when needed, taking those PTO days, y'all, or those sick days when needed. You don't always have to push through. All of that goes into that professional self-care piece. I'm glad we could go through all of these different areas of the self-care wheel because I think they're all really important. How do you guys think, though, that that looks maybe differently for different age groups? I feel like this is kind of what we touched on earlier, right, when we were talking about Mm -hmm. how for us it looked different in different phases. But I think it's good that we do kind of talk about the age group specifically because I feel like, at least in my opinion, children and adolescents struggle with self-care. I mean, adults do as well. We all do. But I don't know. I noticed that a lot of times when we're young, we don't always pour into ourselves or focus on ourselves. We focus on others, the environment, learning about the world, that kind of stuff. And so I kind of see self-care rooted in like socialization and external things versus like internal personal growth because they're not developed, like their brain's not developed yet in that area of reflection, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't know if kids are always encouraged to think about things like self-care. Absolutely. I don't feel like as a kid, I was ever, you know, told like, well, let's take some time to just care for you, you know, (laughs) not in a bad way, right? but just like, it's, I don't think I, with my clients too, as parents, I don't know if they ever teach kids to incorporate that in their life. And maybe that's another thing that's missing. Well, I feel like that's when you get into that like self-care is selfish kind of misconception because as a kid, you're taught, or maybe if it's not intentional, like you're saying, Caitlin, it could be unintentional, but we're Mm -hmm. taught, you know, be kind to others, treat others like you want to be treated. You pour into others, you get your education out externally, like who are you, what teams are you a part of? But we're not always encouraged, okay, how are you? What's going on in your mind? What thoughts do you have? What are you feeling today? Like, how are you sleeping? We're not always taught or encouraged to focus on ourselves. It's like, don't always think about yourself. Like you aren't the most important thing. That is such a good point. And something I just thought of is like when a kid is just feeling kind of ugh and like doesn't want to go to school and the parents are often like, oh, are you really sick? Like, I think you can push through and go. And it's like, maybe they just seen a mental health day. Adults take them. So why can't kids too? Right. And they're, they can't tell you like, hey, I need a mental health day. <laughs> they're eight. Yeah. <laughs> but I tell parents that sometimes, you know, like sometimes our kids just need a day to get on track just like we do. I can't sit through an eight hour school day. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I really am like, kids, how are you guys doing it? Because they have so much on their plates. Yes, they really do. Shout out to all the kids. Right. <laughs> so what about so like then, teens and adults? So thinking about teens and adults, I think that they in general have more control over their own self-care. And going back to the self-care wheel, these age groups are able to pick out specific ways they can engage in each type of way to take care of themselves. And again, that visual piece of just being able to know like where you're really at in each area. I also think a lot of self-care is about setting boundaries with people and things and time and whatever, like we've talked about before. We can't take on everything. And I think it's great for both teens and adults to learn when they can say yes or no in a situation. Boundary setting for me is one of the biggest things I find that I work on with clients and even myself, right? And it's such a big, big part of self-care. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And something maybe just to add real quick here on that, Jacqueline, is 
I think about when people are asked to do something and maybe they already feel like they have a lot on their plate. I think it's good to encourage people just to take a time to respond, right? That's a great boundary that I've really been focusing on lately with people and with myself. It's like, someone asked me to do something and I'm not really sure. I might want to say yes right away, right? But I might also know that I have a lot going on. And so once I say yes, I might regret it. Yeah. Right. And, and then that self-care clients then kind of relate to that. So allowing yourself the space to say, you know what, can I have 24 hours to think about that and get back to you? Mm-hmm. Most things aren't going to be an emergency situation and the other person should respect that. So I don't know. That's just a boundary thing. I've kind of been working with clients a lot lately. I thought would be cool to chime No, I agree because yeah. boundaries and self-care, you're right. They go hand in hand. So I'm happy you made that point because I think half of boundaries is for the purpose of self-care. Like we set yeah, those boundaries yes. for our well-being, which is self-care. So that's a great reminder for people. So yeah, this is always such a great reminder for people. I think we want to challenge our listeners to reflect on what parts of the self-care wheel they might be lacking in and where they could add some care into their day or week. And then also what areas they feel like they're doing well in and continue to grow in those as well. So we'll be posting an example of this self-care wheel on our Instagram page. So if anybody wants to see what we've been referring to in this episode, please check it out. I'm a very visual person, so I'm glad that we have a space for people to see that self-care visual. I'm super visual too. So I think the wheel helps me like plan and organize my self-care. It just helps me learn better. So please check out our newest Instagram post on self-care for sure. Follow us at Mental Health and You. And as always, let us know if you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode. Either DM us or email us at podcastwcpa at gmail.com. So next week, we are going to have a more serious conversation with one of our colleagues to address a somewhat difficult topic. And as a reminder, we are here to, you know, help break stigmas and open up the door for conversation, right? So that might be hard for some of our listeners, and we definitely understand that. It's not always easy for us either. So we're excited because our colleague Amy is going to walk us through ways to help prevent youth suicide. We are looking forward to addressing this topic with you all and hopefully providing some helpful tips and knowledge along the way. So as we close out this self-care episode, we'd like to remind you that self-care is not selfish. See you guys next week. Go do some self-care. Bye.